0: So, we're going to kick things off with prayer. Uh, you know, when we, when we do this, if you're a visitor, uh, there's a couple of, of moments that are different in this prayer. One is that we pause for just a second to uh, kind of confess anything that you might be carrying uh, as you come in to, to worship. You may be carrying some kind of burdens or you know, something you just want to get off your chest. So, I'm going to open up a space for silent confession and reflection. And then we will also have a moment in which you will be able to call out uh, any prayer requests that you have, and as a collective, as one body, we will lift that up to the Lord and say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, one singular prayer being lifted up, okay? So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for this space, this air-conditioned space to come to sit in nice, comfortable chairs, to listen to wonderful music, uh, to have a PA system so that our voices are amplified, to have the wonders of technology so that we can uh, broadcast to people like Stacy and my parents that are unable to come. Be here with us this morning. We are blessed, uh, and we really don't even know how blessed we are. Uh, I know, I know, I know that if we could spend some time in other places in the world, uh, we would grasp just how blessed we are. And so even though we don't fully comprehend that because this is all we know, we do just want to acknowledge that we are grateful this morning. We're grateful to be in this place. We're grateful to be together. We're grateful to open the Scriptures Uh, of which any person in this room has multiple copies of, easily accessible, and the freedom and ability to do that openly without fear of of any kind of backlash from from anybody or anything. Such a privilege, such an honor. And, And as we do that, we hope to hear a word from you. We hope to know you better through it. We also know that as we come into this place that we have failed in many ways this week. We have not been the people that we desire to be. We have let our egos get in the way, our sense of self, and from that selfishness, we have done the things that we wanted to do or avoided the things we wanted to avoid. We have put ourselves before others in some cases, harmed other people in doing that, and we're sorry for that. We're going to ask that you forgive us in this moment, and we're going to just spend some time in quiet silence as we name the things in our hearts that, that we want to be different in us going forward. And so as we lift these up, hear our confessions, Lord. God, we trust that the appearing of your Son over 2,000 years ago, walking this earth, dying on a cross, being raised to life again, that this all proves to us how you really feel about us. Whether we confess or not, you have already taken steps to show us how you feel. And so we want to lean into that. We want to trust that and believe that we are forgiven that we are cleansed, that today is a new day, that you're not holding anything against us, that we can walk out of this place with a clean slate. Thank you for that. We also come into this place of worship uh, burdened by uh, things that, that we can't control. Illness, job loss, job searches, uh, friends that are traveling, people that we are concerned about, situations that we are nervous about. And we know that you don't want us to carry any of that either. That that part of trying to hold on to those things as if we can control them is part of that selfish egoness about us. And we've got to let that go. And so we're going to call out names and situations to you not because you don't already know them, but because it, it, it's part of the process of less letting that go. And as we name these, as, as they drift into this room, we ask that you hear our prayer. Lynn Gibson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Donna Kilgore. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Charles Webb pray pray. and family. Lord, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Danica and Christina. Lord, As- Lord, sanity, Lord, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thankfulness from Lord, Lord in your mercy, your mercy your hear our prayers. Stacy and Cece. Lord, Lord in your mercy your hear our prayers. Unspoken. Lord in your mercy hear our prayers. That was a Lord in your mercy hear our prayers. My mother and Lord, Lord, in, your mercy, Lord, and Lord in your mercy hear our prayers. Lord in your mercy hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Stacy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Mike Mark. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Regina Finch. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, we give you these and any unspoken requests. Relieve us of that burden. Help us to trust in your mercy and in your goodness that you are with us all the time, even when we don't recognize it or realize it. We thank you for this day. May you be glorified in all that we say and do here this morning. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, You shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so, so uh, here's the question for you. Who in here, show of hands, has seen a burning bush before? Good, good, good. Good, okay, okay. I've seen a burning bush before. Probably not the kind you all are talking about. Uh, right now, in this dry weather, we know that things can catch on fire. There have been fires all over the place. Is Holly here today? I don't think she's here. Buster has been out putting out wildfires everywhere. That's not the kind of burning bush I'm talking about. Listen, I love Texas. I love Texas, y'all. I love Texas, y'all. Moved here in 2005, okay? I'm, I'm pretty much a Texan, but there is one thing that I miss from the north. Fall, autumn. Let me tell you, one time I wrote this poem about the trees in Missouri in the fall, how they look like water-colored fire. It's the only way I could describe it in this poem, that they look like they are on fire, but they're not burning up. That's what the trees look like. If you've ever had a chance to travel north for any September, October kind of period, you know what I'm talking about, the colors, particularly if there's been a lot of rain that year, if it's not a dry year. Man, those colors just pop out. Moses saw a burning bush too. Now, I like to think that Moses had passed by this bush probably a million times and just never paid attention. It was probably always there. Maybe it was always on fire. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Moses saw the bush this particular day and it caught his attention. You know what they say, curiosity killed the cat, right? Moses, don't walk over there. Ah, He did. He did. And Moses' life as a Hebrew-born, Egyptian-raised, now fugitive, hiding as a Midianite shepherd out in the wilderness, that life was over, dead, gone, because he met God in this bush. And God had a new life for him and a new direction and a new way to go and it was to shepherd God's people out of Egypt and into a new land. Maybe you've had one of these encounters before where you come into some new insight, you read something or something strikes you just in a certain way and you cross over some kind of threshold of understanding and you can never ever go back because you can't unsee what you've seen, you can't unhear what you have heard, Your life is changed forever. This is what Moses experienced. But it wasn't that he didn't put up a fight because Moses absolutely did try to get out of this. He tried to unhear what he had heard, to unsee what he had seen. And he said, who am I that I should shepherd your people and rescue them from Egypt? Who the heck am I? Last week, we asked the question, who is Jesus to you? If you were here last week, we took a moment and just closed our eyes and imagined Jesus asking that question to you, who am I to you? And some of you made a list of those things. You answered that question. That was good. This week, we're asking a different question. We're asking the question, who am I? Who are you? Who are you? We. And I mean, in the grand scope of things, on a cosmic scale, to infinity and beyond, who are you? Well, the answer to that question, I believe, lies in the name of God itself. You know, it's kind of funny because God mentions Jacob. You remember Jacob, right? Jacob was the one who uh, had this moment in which he was wrestling with a man at night. And we don't know if it's an angel, but then we find out it's actually God himself. And Jacob is wrestling. And in that wrestling match, he said, hey, by the way, what's your name? What's your name? And God says, you know, you're on a need-to-know basis, and right now you don't need to know. But Jacob gets a new name from God. That name is Israel where we get Israelites from. Do you know what the name Israel means? One who wrestled with God. That's what Israel means. Jacob got a new name. Here we are 400 plus years later and Moses is encountering this same God and Moses asks the same question. By the way, what is your name? And this time... God answers, and God says, I am that I am, all capital letters, I am that I am, like James Earl Jones booming, I am that I am. I heard one guy say, when he first heard that as a kid, he was sitting out in the audience, and the the preacher's preaching, and when he got to this point in the text, and God says, I am that I am, he thought, that is the strangest name, God. I mean, come on, couldn't you come up with something better? I always thought maybe Andy would be a good name because of the song. Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, and he tells me I am his own." Andy is a much better name. What is this I am that I am? What does this even mean? Well, either way, I guess Moses needed to know. If we as humans are on a need-to-know basis, and Jacob was not given the name I guess Moses needed to know because he was about to embark on a completely new path in life. And knowing the name would answer two fundamental questions, one of which we've already asked today. The first question it answers, who am I? Who are you? Who are we? Because Moses says through his name, Moses, you are no one in particular, but I am. Moses, this is not about you. This is about me. And I guess this is probably a really important lesson to always keep in the back of your mind because if God does call you to something that is monstrously big, seems too big, you've got to remember it ain't about you. It's never about you. It's about God, the great I am. You are not, but I am. And that leads us to the second question that we haven't asked, but it's a question that that it answers. The question is who is God? This phrase, I am that I am, is a very strange phrase, and scholars will tell you it's very hard to even translate. Some Bibles will say, I am who I am, or I am that I am, or I will be what I will be, or I am what I will be, or I will be what I am. We don't really know how to translate it, but we know that it is a verb that means something like existing or being. Not a being, but being itself, like existing. And it makes sense because here Moses is uh, talking to a bush in which God's voice is coming out of the bush. So God's here in the bush, but then God also says, oh, by the way, I'm also in the ground you're standing on, so please take off your shoes because the place where you are standing Is holy ground. So I'm in the bush and I'm also in the ground. Oh, by the way, I'm also in Egypt because right now I can see the misery of my people and I see how Pharaoh is oppressing them and I want to do something about it. So I am as existing means God is. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, here. There, up, down, inside, outside, God is. How do you name that? How do you put a name to that other than I am? You see, when we really begin to think about this, it's a little scary at first, but... What the name itself means is that God is not just another thing that exists along all things that exist. There's not us and then God, and we all exist together. God is existence itself. That all things that exist find their existence in God. That everything that is real finds its reality in God. God, That to take away something's existence would be to remove it from God and reality. Nothing can exist apart from God's existence. Which is why we say that the whole of creation came into existence. Everything that we see, everything we know came into God had an image this week of a of a swimming pool filled and inside that swimming pool you've got a bunch of containers maybe an open mason jar and maybe you've got a flower vase and maybe you've got a cup over here and the pool water is inside the vase and inside the cups and I thought this is an image of what it's like for us to be in existence no cup could ever say well I'm going to Pour out what's inside of me and just be my own self. You are literally in the pool. It surrounds you. It fills you. It is everything. This is God. This is what I am means, which is why Paul says to the Athenians, in God we live and move and have our very being, our being is rooted in God who is being itself. So who are you, Moses? Nobody. Nothing. Nothing apart from me. I am everything and you are in me and I am in you. I am in everything and everything is in me. And when you stop to think about it, we already kind of know this is true, right? Just go outside. Just go outside for a second. And you begin to know that it's true. I think that for some reason it's easier to glimpse God in nature. I mean, I go to the Grand Canyon and I sense God. I sense who I am in light of this chasm that is huge. Ken has climbed down into the Grand Canyon. I go up to Missouri in the fall and I see these trees on fire and I glimpse God. I get a sense of God. I go to Muir Woods in California and I gaze at a thousand-year-old redwoods and I see the great I Am. There's something about nature that kind of gets us in touch with this I am. And maybe this is why Moses was able to finally see and hear what was already there in this burning bush out in nature. So we already kind of know this intuitively. We forget about it until we're, we encounter one of these places. And we go, oh, I, I feel it, I see it. But if God is everywhere, and if God is everything, then surely God is especially in humanity because Genesis tells us that humans are made in the image of God. Specially created to bear God in creation. That's what humans are. But like Moses, we make the mistake of thinking that we are something in and of ourselves. We somehow imagine that we are somehow separate, that our existence is separate from I am. And so then we begin to wonder, who am I that I should do the work of God in the world? Folks, let me tell you, I think this is the foundation of all sin. We we, we like to say that that sin separates us from God. That sin separates us from God and then Jesus brings us back to God. Right? But what if it's it's not quite that? What if to think that any scrap of you is separate from God is itself sin? Sin. And when you begin to think that any part of you is self-sufficient in and of yourself, then you begin to choose things that serve self. And God says, I am, you are nothing without me. Because I am, you are. And so we're in this sermon series called The Journey Begins. And I think if we're going to begin a new journey like Moses began a new journey after this encounter with God in a burning bush, then we have to go back and rethink who we are and who God is in the grand scope of things that we need to reconsider what Jesus meant when he said, you must be willing to lose your perceived life in order to gain true life. Remember when Jesus said that? If you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. What if this is what he means? You think you're somebody. Give that up. There's only me. And if you can wrap your head around that, you begin to find true life. God who is our life. We must rethink how we see our neighbor because our neighbor also bears God whether they know it or not. Each and every one of you is a God-bearer to the world whether you know it or not. We've got to rethink our task in caring for creation which exists in God and God in it, that creation care and love for neighbor is actually how you worship God. Because if God is anywhere, He's everywhere. Thank you, Kathy. You want to worship God? Love your neighbor well. Take care of this. We only get about 80, 90 Maybe a hundred years. What are you going to do with that time? So here's why my shoes are not on today. Because I want to remember that all ground that you stand on is holy ground. Because this ground does not exist apart from God. That ground does not exist apart from God. Everything that exists finds itself in God. So if you so choose today, I'm going to invite you to remove your shoes as well. If you want to leave your socks on, you can. You don't have to do this. But if you just want to slip off your hey dudes, David. There you go, buddy. Just take a moment and feel the ground for a second. And as your mind is is processing this, this new sensation, what you're feeling, ask yourself, could it be that God is closer than we even imagine? That all ground is holy ground. That these feet are holy feet. Now I want you to reach out and grab the hand of the person next to you. And as you're feeling that hand, I want you to remind yourself these hands are holy hands. This is not just another person. This is not just some hand. These are holy hands. Because the name I am tells us nothing is disconnected from anything else. You and I came from God. We exist in God. We will remain with God even after death. Isn't that awesome? So may we use the gift of life, these 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we're given, may we use them to worship God well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered as a God-bearer. But as you go out this week, you're probably going to make some mistakes because we all begin to think that we're self-sufficient. We all get lost in this idea of self But even then, God has not departed from you, God is still with you, God is love, which holds you and surrounds you and fills you, so that when God looks at you, even in your mistakes, He says, you don't even know it, you are the best of the best of the best. And if you can believe a pinch of that as you leave here today, that has the power to change everything. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that true word and go from this place in peace, amen.